Hey, welcome to an episode of Off the Fence. Uh, so glad that you're taking time to either listen or watch. If you don't know, you could do one or the other or both. You can go to YouTube and watch it and all that, or you can just listen to it, Spotify, Apple. Um, so thanks for tuning in, Off the Fence. Uh, my name, if we've never met, is David, and this is my wonderful bride, Katie. Katie. I thought you were going to finish this sentence. I was hoping you knew your name. <laughs> I do know my name. I have so many names. But I call you only nice ones. You do. Thank you very much. Uh, so You're hot. Uh, I know so you we're going <laughs> We're We're going to talk today. It's just you and me. Should I just start going through the names I call you? Please. No. And thank you. Um, so a little bit ago, you were talking with the staff. And we even talked about it as a family while we were away on vacation, just about this concept of generations. And um, yeah. there's so much to unpack with it. And I thought it would be interesting. I thought people it would be something that people would want to hear and learn more about. Maybe people don't know or maybe they don't fully grasp uh, just this whole concept. I'm going to read a Bible verse, though. Uh, Psalm 78, 4. We will not hide them from their children telling to the generation to come, the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works that he has done. And over and over again in scripture, there's there's talk of learning from the other generations, the good and the bad, uh, but passing things down. Uh, and so you've done some study yeah. on the generations, and there are seven of them right now, which I didn't know. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, it, it really is, because there's a lot of people in the world, but that's a lot of perspectives and... Um, and some would even argue you can subgroup some of those generations that they're 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 far more different than similar. So there should be more than seven. Some say, but but there's seven general ones. So talk. About what is like when we say there are seven generations? What does that mean? Is there a specific time frame with each generation? And then I would love for you to like walk through them if you want. Yeah. Uh, so most of us, uh, I think nowadays it's become a bit more popular to even think about and and know your own generation, what you, you know, your characteristics, you know, I mean, now, I mean, okay. So I love to listen to nineties music when I'm in your vehicle. Cause you have satellite radio and I can mm -hmm. tune into that. And you or, turn it from my country station <clears throat> to nineties. Yeah. To nineties <laughs> because nineties is really when music got good. Like classical music, that was never high quality. Uh, kind of awkwardly, we got through some stuff. The Beatles helped a little bit, but once we got to the '90s, and we landed at like vocalists that are so powerful and significant, like Britney Spears, and 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 I'm just telling, no, I'm just so. <laughs> I grew up, so we're all pretty nostalgic about our own decades or our own oh, generation, yeah. and we love to learn about ourselves and talk about yeah. ourselves, and so yeah, but. If you want to, what you should do is is peel that back a little bit more mm -hmm. because we all uh, will have a tendency to favor the best part of our generation mm -hmm. and lament or complain about the worst part mm -hmm. of other generations. And the problem is, is like what you read in scripture is that we're we're actually supposed to be a part of each other's generations, mm -hmm. uh, help each other. Is I mean, parenting, if you refuse this, you're going to suck as a parent. Uh, if you're a boss mm -hmm. or, or even just in, you're on staff or an employee of a place and you refuse to embrace other generations that you work with, you're going to suck at that. Yeah. And so a teacher... I mean, come on, you're, you're investing in the next generation. When I say next generation, that they don't have value until later, but they are the next generation of mm -hmm. CEOs and 
teachers, uh, mayors, mm-hmm. all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. So I think it's important just to talk about the different generations. So I I, I got notes that I shared uh, earlier. If if people don't know what generations are, so as you're listening and watching, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna isolate some of your generations. See, some of you will disagree with this, uh, or or agree. Uh, uh, I'll go to 1901 to 1927. Mm-hmm. In fact, I'll even see if we can put these in the show notes. I would love for, that. For those who, I like oh, notes. Yeah. So uh, 1901 to 1927, mm-hmm. known as the greatest generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty popular group. People have talked about them. We all seemingly like that group. Um, they survived the Great Depression, fought World War One. They grew Victory Gardens is what they're called. You might even know more about that than I do. But, but basically, uh, they needed to feed their families. Mm-hmm. And so rather than say, hey, we need handouts from someone or what do we do? We don't know what to do. They started growing gardens. Mm-hmm. For the purpose of not that they want to be clean eaters or what mm-hmm. it, it's like, hey, this is the only way for us to get food. Let's start our mm-hmm. own gardens. Mm-hmm. Uh, they contribute to contributed one of the most uh, economically prosperous times in U.S. history. So this is why that group gets called uh, the greatest generation, yeah. is because some would say they faced incredible adversity mm-hmm. and created and did a lot of great things. They didn't just survive those that season. Mm-hmm. They they did some awesome things that still affect us today. So just to clarify, so born between 1901 and 1927. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, no, that's good. I just think for people that that maybe this is new information, born between that that chunk of time, that section yeah. of time. Um, I think too, one of the things about the greatest generation that I think we all admire, even if we don't recognize it specifically is there there was uh, a lot of adversity yeah. and there was a lot of rallying and mm-hmm. and working together and supporting one another but that they were rallied and and together and i think that is one of the things that has made us continue to talk about them and learn from them yeah so Good. It, greatest what, generation so, something important to know is like so this is one of the existing generations right now um so then it goes uh, if you're born 1928 through 1945, mm-hmm. and I guess I probably all should offer a disclaimer that yes, these are dates, and yes, some of us will look at the generation stereotypes and say, that doesn't really fit me. Right. Sure. Well, at some point in history, we got to lock down a date. Mm-hmm. There's got to be a line that, yes, you might actually uh, be in both of them. Mm-hmm. But 1928 to 1945, known as the silent generation. Okay. Uh, let me give you some basic stuff. Known as traditionalists, uh, raise kids to be seen, not heard. Mm-hmm. Uh, practical thinkers, like yeah, uh, opposed to war, actually. So, which makes mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. You're you were really exposed to um, the effects of a world war, so you are greatly opposed to it. Mm-hmm. So, especially the uh, Korean War, Vietnam War, they they uh, they were highly opposed to that. Better educated though than the greatest generation, mm-hmm. pursued secured job, secure jobs, but also valued living the quiet life mm-hmm. to where uh, if you lived in a neighborhood, one of literally the core values of everyone in the homes was typically like, don't make too much noise. Mm-hmm. Don't make chaos in our neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Let's live a quiet life. You might feel it, think it, experience it, but don't like blow up about mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. that was actual value was like, I'm going to uh, restrain what I'm actually feeling. Yeah. yeah. There's there. What's interesting to me too, though, is that, that, so much of that is in almost direct response to what happened with and through the previous generation. Yeah. They're, they're connected and they respond and then shift. Yeah, what you'll going. see is each generation, whether you want to or not, um, 
it's, it's, you learn this in parenting, where you would love all your good characteristics to rub off on your kids, <laughs> but uh, they see all the good, bad, and ugly. And that's yeah. how generations work is yeah. uh, however you adapted and, and adopted and, and functioned, it's going to get passed on in some way and be mm-hmm. responded to. Sure. Yeah. So uh, 1946 to 1964, if you were born there, you are a part of what's called the baby boomers. Uh, and I will say, uh, I was raised by baby boomers. Mm-hmm. And they get kind of a hard rap they right do. now. They do. Yeah. They do. Uh, but let me give you the stereotypes, uh, not necessarily stereotypes, but some experiences. Name from the baby boom following World War II. Uh, known as an optimistic group of people shaped by the Cold War, Vietnam, civil rights. Uh, it's where we get terms hippies and yuppies yeah. and uh, classifications. There's a lot of that. stuff happening in those oh, decades. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Highest divorce rate in U.S. history of all generations. The baby boomers so far have been tagged as they got the highest rate of divorce. Now, if you do your history and you study there, it's when some laws were changed that made divorce easier, mm-hmm. like legally where you could actually obtain mm-hmm. that much mm-hmm. easier. And people have, they, they ran with it. And so divorce skyrocketed. Okay. Typically a highly driven group of people popularized the live to work lifestyle. Sure. Um, so some of the negative negative characteristics to get thrown on boomers is it's, it's a generation full of workaholics Yeah. Um, where... A lot of times it's when the, a lot of uh, people moved into both, not just both parents working, but working too much, okay. working all the time. And so I know that's a negative characteristic. I'm, I'm not trying to isolate that with any of the generations, but but I think I'm, I'm highlighting that to tell you about the next group. Okay. So the next group is 1965 to 1980, uh, known as Gen X or Generation X, mm-hmm. referred to as the forgotten generation. Uh, obviously had the highest rate of divorced parents is what I'm trying to highlight. So uh, of any generation. So that affects you. Mm-hmm. That change, whether the parents want to admit, no, my my divorce doesn't affect my kids. They're totally cool with it. They like it better. Um, untrue. That's just, mm-hmm. you might think mm-hmm. that optimistically and your kid be telling you that. Yeah. But statistically, what we've learned is it's affected them. And so here, they became very focused on work-life balance because they saw workaholic parents that often tore the marriage apart mm-hmm. or that left the kid by themselves all the time. That's where the term latchkey kid yes. came into play during that. So with that generation, with Generation X. A value yeah. of Gen X people has been like, I don't like what I saw and how it affected me. So Gen X people have really worked at a work life balance. In other words, Gen Xers were the ones saying, my work. And my other part of life don't have to mesh together. Sure. Interesting. Very entrepreneurial. Uh, introduced informality at the office. Like, hey, let's wear t-shirts. Let's. <laughs> that, we don't have to wear suits. Come on. Uh, ushered in uh, hip hop and grunge, which, come on. Come on. Right now, uh, we all have to admit that the introduction, specifically of hip hop, is the single-handed most, it's, it's the greatest invention of all time. I can't say that personally, but I'm very happy for you. Well, and one day you will see it. I uh, I do not think so, but because th- this was the season where, um, well, we can talk like Billy Ray Cyrus and Travis Tritt and mullets and stuff, but right, but informality that, at the office and those were those were fun, uh, you know, you know, like carnival kind of things to watch. But hip hop <laughs> has changed our lives and made it better. Uh, 
this group, Gen, Gen X, had a disdain for authority mm-hmm. and the establishment. Mm-hmm. And a part of this was affected by what they saw growing up. Sure. They, they saw the establishment. To give you a little bit, the, the um, greatest generation and, and baby boomers were strong advocates of the institution. Mm-hmm. Be a part of the institution. Mm-hmm. Uh, create an institution. Join an institution. In church world, create a denomination. Mm-hmm. Be a part of the denomination. Be loyal to the denomination mm-hmm. because we trust the denomination. Mm-hmm. Or or if you're a part of a big like national group, mm-hmm. you, it felt good and big yes. and uh, important to be part of it. Where Gen X was like, mm, Maybe not. I don't know if I trust yeah. the institution. What's interesting to me is Generation X, were they were the latchkey kids, and they became the helicopter parents. Isn't mm. that interesting? Again, where we respond, and I, I think before you go on to the last couple ones, I do think some of, some of the things that I've learned through this study is to have grace for the generations that came before me, to try to understand why, why maybe they did what they did and functioned, sure. how they functioned, and then, and then work just work really hard at helping to make uh, myself and those around me pass on the very best yeah. that I can to the next, to be conscious and aware and do my best to pass on. Because Generation X, I, th- I'm, I tether between a few different ones, but I do think latchkey kids to helicopter parents trying to make it better, but maybe just created a different problem. Yep, and that's what we <laughs> and tend to do. And that's what we all do. Yep. Yeah. That's what we tend to do. Yeah. So, so um, what's next? Gen, go, we go from Gen X to Millennials, mm-hmm. 1981 to 1995 mm-hmm. um, is when they were born. Millennials also, I think, get a heart. The, like Boomers and Millennials seem to right now, mm-hmm. um, different groups have strong opinions about them. Yeah. Um, uh, the Millennials lived through two major recessions. I would even now add a third. Um, <laughs> mass shootings were normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, 9-11, uh, the two longest wars in U.S. history. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are what millennials would say. That was normal. That was that was me. I grew. I was born during that time and growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, social media, normal. Mm-hmm. Raised with a felt pressure to succeed life, to succeed in life, to, to like to win at life, mm-hmm. because the other generations had seemed to have done so well, accomplished so much, so many inventions, innovations yep. from the greatest generation all the way through Gen X. Yeah. So the millennials are like, oh, what do we need to invent? What do right, we need to right. do? How hard do we need to work? How much money do we need to make? Like, what houses do we need to live in? Mm-hmm. And uh, all that's now led to a generation. Instead of saying, "What will we do?" They feel the pressure to do it. Sure. Which then led to millennials experiencing and going after mental health unlike previous generations Hmm. because they were feeling a pressure and they're going, what is going on? Mm -hmm. So mental health began to get a bit more traction going. Is not only my body important, but my mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. Unemployment and student debt widespread uh, among this generation because of the pressure. Mm -hmm. Apprehensive is a word used to describe millennials, meaning apprehensive about what if I screw up? See, I grew up, there there was no social media. Mm -hmm. So if I had a loud conversation, if I had a fight with a kid in my neighborhood, Mm -hmm. it was not on video. Yeah. If Did you have fights with kids in your neighborhood? We beat the crap out of each other. David. Yeah. And then we were best friends. Uh, So... What I did in school was not on video. Sure. Um, I was not bullied by other people on the internet. Mm -hmm. I did not have to compare myself Mm 
to the lives of people on Instagram, mm -hmm. Facebook, um, TikTok, Snapchat, whatever you're using. But um, so this group, millennial, mm -hmm. that's what they, it's normal to them is everyone's lives is in front of your face. And so what that has done, created an apprehensive generation mm -hmm. going, my life doesn't match their life. Mm -hmm. Oh no. And now they're afraid to fail. Far more conscious but it, of, of what's going on around you, which I would say every generation has had, but at a different yeah. level yeah. of awareness. For so sure. if yeah. you'll talk to people uh, who are at universities, professors, uh, administration, stuff like that, they're seeing on, on campuses now who, uh, students who are afraid of failing because of the perceived lack of failure mm -hmm. they're watching on social media. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting, I think. Well, and that impacts the next generation you're going to talk about, yeah. I think, even more. 1996 to 2010 is Gen Z, Generation Z. Mm -hmm. uh, many received their first phone before they were 11 years old. Hmm. I got my first phone when I was 23. How old were you? I, 18, I think literally my first semester of college, I was 18. Okay. Almost And I 18. was in college too. Yeah. Okay. And I, and it was a little Nokia. Yeah, I, indestructible I phone. <laughs> oh man, I loved that thing. Well, so a Gen Z is characterized before they're even 11, they've got phones in their hands, um, meaning access to the entire world. Yeah. Uh, highly aware of social justice and political issues because mm -hmm. they, what they know is the information age. Um, activism is a value mm -hmm. of Gen Z, meaning you don't just know the information you need to be, they feel, uh, uh, I feel, uh, an urgency to be an activist about something, mm -hmm. whether it be like my genes were made, uh, in a fair trade environment. Sure. I'm an activist about that. Or where's my food coming from? Mm -hmm. This generation feels like they should, they should be about some sort of a cause. Mm -hmm. Where previous generations were like, no, we just want to survive the war. Yeah, it's all it's all we're trying to, or or we just want to get food on the table. Or I just want the best kind of jeans. Yeah, like yeah. I don't care where I they come from. I don't from. care where they come from. I want from. them to look good. I yeah yeah, yeah. no, uh, avid gamers and music goers. Interesting. I know. Yeah, music goers. What does that mean? Uh, like literally going to concert music. Oh, okay. This is the, uh, I mean, I'm going to give you experience. This is the earbud group that all they've ever known is music is everywhere and all the time. And, and, yeah, huh. and so why not go see what you've been hearing digitally? Go see it sure. live. Uh, yeah. Um, desire life to be their own personalized experience. Mm -hmm. In other words, truth is individualistic, meaning my truth is my truth. Your truth is your truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is dangerous because there is truth. Mm -hmm. What's true to you, uh, I, if I don't like it, I can't then create a new truth. Mm -hmm. it, so anyways, this generation though, is what's normal to them is being able to craft their truth. Sure. What they want to be true becomes true to them. And then that's why this generation is often, and many people believe, um, becoming disillusioned. Sure. And uh, disenfranchised, mm -hmm. um, wounded, but privately wounded because they lived their truth out and it didn't work. Well, and it's I, I know there's a catchphrase that you do you, mm -hmm. and and the danger in that is when we're when we're all doing our own thing, there's not a collective like togetherness. Right. We lose we in pursuit of independence and what I want and what I need and what I think is best. We lose we lose that collaboration of just. Being together, and that's what we have to be careful about. Because you, I mean, right now, I, I would imagine some people, especially I'm a pastor, so 
and, and we, we help them lead a church. And so stereotypically, our audience or the people listening right now, a lot of them are connected to church. And so when I say, hey, they get to determine their own truth, a lot, of, I know a lot of you are going, um, oh my, that's horrible. But, but let's be quick to not judge yeah. because they're, they're being raised in a culture that's teaching them that they can make their own truth, they mm -hmm. can define their own path, mm -hmm. that no matter what anyone thinks about them, that they get to determine not only what they dress like, but who they identify as. Mm -hmm. And they're being told that. So rather than hate on that, I think it's important, that's why we're having, having this conversation, yeah. is that we've got to know that there are different generations, and rather than hate on them, it's important to know about them. Mm -hmm. uh, the, last the last one, one? Yeah. Uh, the last one is 2011, to what they predict to be through 2025. Uh, Generation Alpha, we know very little, obviously, mm -hmm. about Generation Alpha, because uh, most of them are still living under the roof of their parents. Uh, some of them have yet to be born. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's a group of people that will know nothing other than digital world. Mm -hmm. uh, the stuff that we bring up will be like um, so foreign, mm -hmm. it, it, it'll blow their minds. Mm -hmm. Um, so Generation Alpha, they'll be the first to have experienced some stuff versus some of these other generations weren't necessarily always the first. It was sure. a, a bit of a bleed over. Sure. Um, so why I brought this up with the staff, and, and, and I think this is worth our listeners. So that's seven generations who exist right now. In other words, that's seven groups of people who see the world through their own lens. But are living and working and driving around like all together all in, in the same world. melting pot, right? Literally, that tells you that same world, mm -hmm. same bowl, mm -hmm. seven different perspectives of the bowl. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, complexities and unique things within oh, each yeah. one anyway. Oh, so yeah. it, it's it's a wild thing to think about. So what one of the things that I think about a lot, and I, it, I was so convicted of it as you were sharing this information was um, as a believer, so as as somebody who's part of a church, but also just loves Jesus. Um, what is that? What should this mean to me? What do I do with it? Well, a logical conclusion is uh, because whatever generation you're born into and, and you're raised up in, mm -hmm. you're not only going to see the world in a specific place, you're going to see the non-world. You're going to see what you don't see. Mm -hmm. In other words, the supernatural, mm -hmm. um, the divine. You're going to see God mm -hmm. with a certain lens. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important for us to understand that the generation we were raised in is impacting how we see God, how yes. we, maybe yes. a better word is approach God, mm -hmm. how we approach God. Mm -hmm. And so I thought it would be beneficial uh, to make a list of how the different generations, and this bleeds over, so I'm not going to even categorize this with a specific generation, yeah. but that there are different approaches to God that yeah. we're taking yeah. that we think are in and of itself, just fine by itself, mm -hmm. which is dangerous. So uh, religious heritage, uh, growing up in a Christian home or attending a Christian school made me right with God, connected mm -hmm. to God, mm -hmm. just by, by, by being there, by being in a, a family. Who that, In our context, let's say you were born into a Catholic family that makes you Catholic, that makes you connected to God. Mm -hmm. And that's some people's approach to God is that, oh, you went to this school, you went to this church, you were born in this family, therefore you are connected to God. Mm -hmm. That's an approach mm -hmm. based on generational stuff. Mm -hmm. Heritage reminds me of institution kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. if, you're, if you're a member... You're a member. You just make it easy. Why are you part of this? Well, because everybody else is. Because everyone else is. Yeah. yeah. Um, Church involvement, uh, regularly just uh, attending church, mm -hmm. just by by just going, mm -hmm. 
that was, and had, still is today, many people's approach to God going, hey, so what do you think about God? Well, I go to church. Mm-hmm. Uh, a moral lifestyle, trying to be a good person, having integrity. Some people will take that singular approach going, mm-hmm. so what do you think about God? Well, I make good moral decisions. I'm a good person. Mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully I'll be good enough for mm-hmm. God and I to have a good conversation when I die. Um, intellectual knowledge, I believe, mm-hmm. therefore, I'm connected to God, meaning yeah. I believe in the existence of God. I believe that intelligent design made this world. So because I believe that, not necessarily my lifestyle matches mm-hmm. it, but because I intellectually believe it and find it logical, then I'm connected to God and that yeah. is good enough. Yeah. Um, active ministry, uh, where maybe you don't worship God in the sense of sit and just reflect with Him, um, or sing to him, or about him, or speak to him. Your your mode is to serve. It's mm-hmm. it's not just be a good person, but to to serve others. And by serving mm-hmm. others, that is a way that you're connected to God mm-hmm. or approaching God. Uh, a guilty conscience. Welcome to me as a teenager. Uh, <laughs> where. <laughs> If you feel guilty about decisions you've made, you interpret that as, well, I must still be connected to God in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to do what I uh, don't feel guilty about. And when I feel guilty about it, I'm going to say, I'm sorry. And that's it. That's mm-hmm. that's all it is, is about the roller coaster. Uh, positive thinking. Just I, I think good thoughts and God is good. Mm-hmm. So that's how I approach him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then a past decision. Uh, that's a popular one where... Uh, Let's say you were at an event, a worship service, a concert. Um, let's say you were just out in the hills mm-hmm. and you had this moment with God that you're like, I don't know how to describe it. It was supernatural. It was awesome. And you made a decision in that moment. Like it was an, you can remember, many people have dates. Yeah. I remember yep. such and such a date, this time, this is where I was. I was a camp. We and, often write it, there's a space to write yep. it in your Bible. And you make the decision. Yeah. However, many people, based on generational influence, is that's all you did, though. Mm-hmm. Again, in our context, some people will get baptized mm-hmm. and say, well, I was baptized. I made the decision to be baptized, or someone made the yeah. decision for me to be baptized. And so that decision has me right with God, and everything else doesn't really matter. Even if it's a mile marker, like way, way back. Yeah. You just can keep yeah. pointing. See that? Way back there. So yeah. what we often do now is what... I'll use the term, this might be overly intense, but we'll demonize some of these. We'll, we'll, we'll make them um, negative. And let's, let's pick on the last one, <clears throat> the, the decision. We'll say, well, following God is not just a one-time decision. Mm-hmm. So let's scrap ever inviting people to make a decision, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is foolish to scrap it. Absolutely. It's It's... It's actually it, it shows a little of our immaturity by and, but it's our culture nowadays is to cancel everything when we don't when we see a little negative um, take on it, mm-hmm. cancel it, cut it out. where I would say a decision is powerful. Frankly, I remember the day that you and I decided, yes, we will get married. Mm-hmm. I remember the day that you and I said vows to each other. Mm-hmm. It was that's a decision. Mm-hmm. Now, is marriage? Only the moment where I proposed to you in a Volkswagen Passat. <laughs> Outside of the restaurant right. you wanted to propose right. inside That's of. Sorry. Is, is our marriage, is that all it was? Is our marriage right. only the wedding day? No. Right. But it, and a decision is important, but that's not all that it is. Right. 
And so that's why bringing up the generational conversations is understanding that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, oftentimes we actually end up being on the fence, judging the other yep. other generations, or maybe even lamenting about your own. You're going, I don't like my generation. Yep. Rather than trying to understand each other mm -hmm. and understand that we might be approaching God in an unhealthy way, or I would say uh, an inadequate way, yes. uh, an incomplete way. Mm -hmm. And that's why I think generational talk is so important nowadays. In fact, I don't think it's just like fun. I think it's it's crucial that we understand yeah. the existing generations right now, that there are seven right now. Yeah. I'll always tell people, I'll coach pastors and say, every church should have three generations represented at least in your mm -hmm. church, or your church is dying. I think, though, too, what it does is there's so much going on in everybody's lives. And I think everybody, but especially people who follow the way of Jesus should be willing to, when somebody has a bad day or somebody is coming at a topic with a perspective that just feels really different or wrong to you, yeah. um, recognizing that, that that doesn't necessarily make them bad. But I think we often do that. We go, oh, they're just terrible or, oh, you know, the hay boomer, which just grieves me because I think, no, they're coming at it from a perspective that maybe I'm not aware of. And so having this open posture of going, let me learn how you came to that, and let me share a little bit about where I came from. But this this willingness to understand and to meet people where they are, um, and to be met where I am, I think is just so powerful because Jesus is what transcends every generation. He he's he's with all of us and sees all of us and was part of whatever it was that made that generation. Because you're right, not every person from that generation is exactly the same. No. But the reason why we have them is because the majority of people reflect certain things. And so as a follower of Christ, it just makes me so conscious of the need to meet people where they are and not just jump to, oh, you're just never going to get it. So I, I think uh, one of the most mature things an individual can do mm -hmm. is to realize that they aren't the only person that exists on planet Earth. Oh, do you know, that reminds me because we were just in airports and airports <laughs> yeah. always remind me like, there are other people here. Yeah, it's crazy. How Get people out of are, the way. Yeah, no, no. Yeah. Especially when you're in crowds, you're like, you're totally unaware of any other individual. No, I get it. It's funny too, because I'm typically the the taller or bigger guy and that, you know, like I'm amazed at how often I need to move. I'm like, if I didn't move, I just would have, you would have like hit my chest and fallen to the ground. And, and, so let me give some pastoral guidance here. I, you're not really asking this, but uh, I would recommend that we all spend time with someone in other generations mm. who fits into those categories. Mm. <clears throat> That'll take some work. Um, if you're parenting, you're gifted with some of those generations right there. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> and I regularly love having conversations with the kids. What's, what's cool, what's not cool? What's important, what's not important? But go outside. And why, yeah. yeah what's, but even just like learning. Mm -hmm. whether it's healthy mm -hmm. or not. Uh, but here's some questions uh, that don't change. Um, <clears throat> they, don't, they don't change by generation. Okay. It's still, <clears throat> sorry, it, it, it's still, you, you just got to go after this. Uh, are you trusting in Jesus hmm. as the son of God and savior of your sin? No matter what any generation ever says about that, it doesn't matter because you still need to know that you and I, we need a savior. Yes. That, that a life devoted to Jesus is a big deal. Yeah. Are you obeying Jesus as the Lord of your life? Mm -hmm. If you've never studied the word Lord, like not just boss, but someone who governs your life, like Jesus's ways 
or the highway, as we yeah. would say. Yeah. Um, crucial question to ask of any generation. Yeah. Like, are you, yeah, I know what's cool now and what's, um, seems relevant or trendy or whatever, but is, is the way you're living life the way of Jesus? Are mm-hmm. you showing the love of God to other people? Mm-hmm. I don't care what generation you're from. Yeah. Are you showing the love of God to other people? That is not generational. And then <clears throat> are you experiencing God's love for you? Mm-hmm. Like, are you actually, could you talk about like your time with God? Um, experiencing things in, in life. Not that, that it's like, yeah, it's amazing. Maybe some slow, but mm-hmm. but are you experiencing the presence of God? Hmm. Those are those are I think important questions to ask, no matter what generation you those are. are those are so good. And I do think connecting with others, and we've had the privilege of having grandparents who were part of the greatest generation. <coughs> and walking through I had a grandpa that was in the war in a POW. You had a grandpa in the war. Yeah. Grandmas that went through depression, uh like the the Great Depression and being able to to navigate what what they walked through yep. and so why they carry some of the traits they do was so powerful for us even as we started preparing for our family and what we wanted to matter in our family. So some of the conversations I've really cherished when I get to sit down with my grandparents, which I don't get to do as often anymore, but one of the, almost every time I get that chance, I'll sit down and say, Hey, how does com- today compare to when you grew up? Mm. Because what it does is it gives me insight that maybe I've got blind spots. Yeah. And I've got to have people from other generations in my life helping me be aware of that. Maybe what are some of the toxicities of my current generation mm-hmm. that I am owning as good and right mm-hmm. and and a good response mm-hmm. uh, when they're going no 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 uh, this is this is not a good way of thinking. Mm-hmm. So that's awesome. Thank you for that. Was a lot of work that you and study that you've been putting into it, but it's so powerful if we if we really lean into it and and see what the Lord has for us to learn from it. So thank you. Anything for you, sweetie. Country music in the car. Thank nope, you. Absolutely not. That's where I draw the line. <laughs> Actually, no, I do, I do, I don't turn the channel from No, until music. there's a string of a few just really depressing songs and then you make me turn it <laughs> off. Yeah. Thank you for sharing though. That was awesome. Yeah. That's been helpful. Well, thanks for uh, tuning in to this. Hopefully this generation talk will spark you into a conversation with someone who's not in your generation. Oh, yeah. Um, if you have questions, thoughts, um, anything about that, this, you want to comment, you can text us 605-250-1224. Uh, until next time, know that we love you very much. Bye, friends.